Hello and welcome to the Pitcast for 2022 by the Pit Crew Online. From the fans, for the fans. The Formula One season gets underway with the first race from the 18th to the 20th of March, so we thought we'd have a quick preview ahead of the season. I'm your host, Jess Bird, your resident Formula One editor at the Pit Crew Online, and here to talk all things F1 with us is our editor-in-chief, Simon. Hi, Simon, how are you? It's good to have you Hi, back. Jess. Yay, back at last. Uh, we also have with us our contributor and opinion columnist, Dimitris. How are you today? It's good to have you on again. It's been a hectic day, but it's really good to be here and so much fun to talk about the one with knowledgeable people. Good, good. Yes, knowledge knowledge is one thing mm. that we do have. So often. <laughs> <laughs> so often. So the F1 season is upon us. We have new regulations, a new defending champion. But let's start with testing, seeing as that is currently underway as we record this. We're on day two of Bahrain at the moment. Uh, so it was rumoured that Ferrari were going to have the fastest car going into this year. And yeah, OK, we can't always take pre-season testing times as gospel. But how do you guys think they've fared so far? Well, for, they look good. <laughs> but looks can, be de- looks can be deceiving, as we know from previous seasons. This could all be fluff. This could all be to entice new sponsors or to please sponsors. They could be running very light on fuel. We just don't know. But the car looks absolutely stunning. The, the scoop design along the sides is very different. And there's something about that Ferrari red that, that just does something for you, doesn't it? It just it gets the heart beating. It's, it's what Formula One is about. You know, Formula One's an entity, but without Ferrari, it's not really there. We, we're all, we all want to see Ferrari do well and hopefully... You know, Carlos and, and Charles will do well. I mean, as you say, they've been fastest. Personally, I was a bit surprised about that. I know everyone's saying they were going to be fastest, but uh, I thought the Red Bull and Mercedes would also want to show a bit. Time will tell. There's another day tomorrow. Yeah, honestly, I think that Ferrari has taken aback a few people. And, you know, they, they had uh, the most time on CFD and the wind channel due to the fact that they finished P6 in 2020 and P3 in 2021. So most time than Mercedes and Red Bull for sure, even McLaren. You have to make good use of that extra time you have with those tools. I think they they have done so and it's really encouraging to see. Obviously, what Simon says, you know, we're, we're not really sure if they are, you know, turning the engine down a bit or if they are uh, high or uh, low on fuel. Presumably, Mercedes is um, very high on fuel, for example. But uh, it's positive that uh, the Barcelona test went pretty okay with for them. They were really reliable, covered the most uh, mileage of everyone. And the Bahrain test, as of now, seems to be equally impressive for them. And obviously, the car looks really stable. So that's 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 a good start for the season. Either they are quick or not, we we will see. Yeah, they seem to be the only team that I can work out so far that have been very reliable, as you say. Uh, and I love the new cars. They just look so curvy and sexy. I don't know. I can't. I look at them all the time and I just love them. Anyway, <laughs> funny that you mentioned the side pods, though, uh, Simon, because that has been a massive debate with the new launch of the cars, particularly as Mercedes have come with their very slim down, basically non-existent side pods to Bahrain. Uh, it's quite interesting seeing what they've done and how each team's interpreted the new rules. Uh, what do we think so far to the very slim down side pods of Mercedes? 
Did Dimitri's gonna say that? Are you gonna say that first? Yeah, yeah, because I have so many thoughts about that. Um, <laughs> you know what? Okay, it's it seems radical enough. It seems innovative enough. Uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, it's legal. Even Christian Horner said so. After all, if Christian says it's legal, it is legal. Mm. <laughs> so you know, no one's going to protest that. No one's going to to argue with that. But I don't. I just don't see it as much of a game changer because the the focal point of these new regulations is the ground effect, is the floor. So how you uh, maximize the airflow from the uh, from the um, uh, floor and the under tray, and how you guide there through those spaces of the through those areas of the car, seems to me more important than the sidewalks. Of course, these kind of sidewalks want you morph the air towards the rear of the car, produce more downforce from the uh, rear wing. But, you know, it also poses a risk of overheating. They feel, Mercedes feel that it's not an issue. Uh, it, it also seems to me that a lot of people try to uh, approach this area uh, in different ways. So it, it seems to me that there are multiple concepts that could work in that area. It's just how the concept of the car really is for every team. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things that Mercedes just pops up uh, out of uh, nowhere. Does, for example, is something like that in 2020 uh, when we saw the movie wheel and we were like, well, what's that? What, do, what does it do? I think the side pods are presumably good for their car, but I don't think it's like a blown diffuser or a double diffuser kind of scenario for for the for the team yeah, i kind of agree with that but do you think they because they didn't run them in barcelona they run it run a more standard setup with the side pods do you think they could be deflecting so you know all the, the other teams are looking at this thinking wow you know they've found something here um you know they all go in and invest money into looking at what they found when in reality you know we could troop up next week and we'd be back to the the barcelona, barcelona setup you know, it's all so up in the air, but fundamentally the car looks different and I kind of like the fact that it looks different. I like, I, I don't want all Formula, all the Formula One teams to look, to come up uh, to the first rate in Bahrain and have the same look, but it's just different liveries. So it's exciting, but as Dimitri said, I can't really see it being that much, much of a radical um, improvement, but time will tell. Yeah, I think it's just that obviously there was a quick debate at the beginning as to whether it was legal or not legal that Mercedes had invented or just basically not put any side pods on whatsoever. But as you say, if Christian Horner says they're legal, they are definitely legal because if he's got, everyone's going to fight them, he is. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is interesting. I think particularly with the new sort of ground effect thing that they're going for, um, I suppose the, yeah, the main issue, your main Thing that you need to look at is the floor and uh, particularly the porpoising which seems to have gone on that is a massive deal i think particularly because with day two of the bahrain test there's been a video of pierre gasly i think and his head is just bobbing up and down quite aggressively <laughs> uh, which is not going to be fun for a two-hour race i imagine uh have you got any thoughts on how that might be solved at all or how, if they're going to be able to do anything about that during the season <sighs> Wow, that's a, a very technical question. I think Demetrius wouldn't be much better answering that. But I know um, Mercedes have said they put some sort of uh, 
bar in there somewhere, I guess down the middle to stop it. Someone, one of the videos earlier on, he literally looked like a headbanger. I mean, I don't know how, how you'd cope with that. How you'd, you know, you wouldn't be able to write, if the car started doing that randomly during a race, if something came off the car that made, made you know, brought back that problem, they just wouldn't be able to continue. But as I say, Demetrius will, will know much more about that. He's much more technically minded than I am. Well, it is an issue that we, you know, kind of expected in terms of, well, we return to ground effect. So some of the side effects of that is porpoising. It's a term used back in the 1970s. It's not like we're not familiar with it. Mm. Um, one of the, you know, uh, methods that we could actually try and uh, see if we can mitigate the issue is uh, rising the right height a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, during day two of testing uh, in Bahrain, all of the teams tried to do that. They said, okay, we're going to try to race our cars uh, in a bit more higher than we would because the whole point of ground effect is being as low as possible. It, rake doesn't exist anymore uh, as it was with the current, with the previous regulations. It seemed to work. It seemed to actually be uh, somehow efficient in solving that issue, but it's not preferable by any team because you just lose performance. The other thing that they could do is strengthening the floors a bit so as they don't flex as much. Uh, and they tried that with some stays, some little wires, metallic wires that uh, connect the floor to the rear of the car so the floor doesn't flex uh, as much. And the final thing that they could do is actually uh, implementing active suspension systems, which is uh, one of the few suggestions that were made back in the day during the whole discussion about the new regulations that were thrown out of the video pretty quickly. No one actually thought that it was um, useful or cost effective. It was just uh, too much for any team to handle to, to of course, put through R&D and then implement. But it would solve that issue because the active suspension would be programmed when proposing happens to actually a bit uh, uh, rise the right height, keep the car stable so you don't have that up and down movement. Uh, but that would happen. So, in, in you know, I theorize that uh, F1 will try to say, you know what, there's going to be a standard solution for it. We're not going to leave it up to the teams in order to solve it because it becomes a safety issue at one point. It's not just a performance issue, it's not just an issue for the driver's head and you know, he may be feeling ill or not. That porpoising effect is, is a safety issue and Bahrain is a very bumpy track and we see it uh, uh, in full effect. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you can't simulate so you have to see how you uh, make it better on track. Is there a minimum ride height, do you know? I, mean, I would have uh, thought there's a minimum ride height. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's they could, it, the FIA could raise that, couldn't they? And then all teams, you know, instead of um, I don't know, five centimeters, it goes to seven centimeters um, across the board. I mean, I'm not I, I'm just, sure. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. You 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 really put a very good question to me, and I don't have a com a concrete answer to give you. <laughs> I'll Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just Google the sporting regulations and try to figure out. Oh no, which don't, would don't be. Go <laughs> yeah, I will. No, I will. No, not now. But you know, I can do that yeah. just for future references. Uh, yeah, that could be a solution. That's why I say the FIA and F1 will try and put a standardized solution. They will not leave it up to the teams because each team will try to mitigate the issue in a different way. So if one team try, tries to uh, strengthen the floor and another one tries to uh, rise the height of the car, it's not the same. The one team will just get a new floor and the other team will lose performance. So, you know, you, you have to balance it out a bit. Yeah. Hmm. That'd be very interesting to see what happens throughout the season then, see if they get to a point where they actually decide to standardise it or the teams come up with something innovative or we will see we will see but that moves us nicely on to the new regulations and the tires and things because this year we do have 18 inch tires uh 18 inch wheels sorry um and we do have the lovely new sexy regulations which look fantastic on the cars um at the moment um i hope they bring us new racing the aim is uh sorry exciting racing uh, the aim is for the cars to be able to get a bit closer we did have a small taste of that, I think, with Alonso and Stroll, didn't we? Uh, yesterday, day one of testing at Bahrain. They had a little go at it. That looked, that was great. It was exciting for us. Uh, what do we think, guys? Are we, I'm personally very excited to see what they'll bring. But uh, what do you guys think? Well, I think that uh, the new tyres are there to help with two things. One is less degradation, hopefully. And two is to be more to be closer to the real road uh, racing, uh, road, excuse me, road going wheels, the wheels that we use on our cars. Pirelli was really keen on that because they want to promote their products. I've spoken to Mario Isola a few times about the new regulations and the new tires. Uh, uh, and he he seems to be very confident about the the first part of the chains, the, the, the degradation. Uh, he, he believes, he says, not believes, he, he sees in the simulations that degradation is lower uh, with, the new, with the new tires and with the new cars, you're going to be able to push more, not being afraid of actually having to uh, maybe save 10 or 15 laps and then go full throttle for like five laps in order to perform an overtake or whatever, and then just having no tires left on your on your car and having to pit. This is not going to be the case anymore, presumably. But during uh, the morning session of day two in Bahrain, okay, really high temperatures. I'll give I'll give Pirelli that. Both Leclerc and Ocon, I want to say, I think Ocon uh, did a race simulation. Uh, not really representative. They just did it with I think C two and C three. Uh, the C2 and C3 compounds. And both of them, uh, you could see a massive drop off on their uh, race pace. They were lapping in 139, 139.2, and after 15, 20 laps, 144, which was really weird. Doesn't seem like they work, but Pirelli says they, they provide less degradation. So we will see. They, um... They also raced a prototype tyre today. I think uh, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi, and uh, I think one of the Alfa Romeos did as well. Um, I don't know what that that tyre was, but yeah, 18 inches is a big tyre, isn't it? I mean, that's 
<laughs> You'd be happy with that on your car. That's, yeah. And, uh, as you say, Pirelli want to push their P0 brand. So, yeah, it all makes sense. I, I can see what they're doing. It's going to be interesting seeing the, the, the airflow over those. We'd like to see some graphics of, uh, of that, not just for the high vis paint. But, yeah, it's all good. It's all shaking, shaking up the system, isn't it? It's all, you know, all new. So exciting. Yeah. So for those listening, watching who are um, Formula 2 fans and Formula 3 fans, they will have seen it previously because they've been using it, I think, for the last couple of years. Um, so they will have seen the tyres, but because it's with the new regulations, they're all supposed to be working in tandem now. So it will be interesting to see what happens when they're in sort of full race conditions because they've done race simulations, but it will never be. We'll know, we won't really find mm. out until the first race how they actually perform on race day. So it's interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to work and seeing if the drivers can actually push a lot harder in in those stints before they do their their pit stop even if it is only that one pit stop during the race um uh, so lewis, lewis tires will still be going off <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my tires are going off <laughs> you've done 59 laps on them <laughs> definitely we'll yeah that'll never that. change <laughs> no. speaking of changes that was smooth uh, yeah, speaking, speaking of changes, yeah, um, we've had a changeover at Haas. Now, with everything going on um, in the Ukraine, there's obviously been some difficult situations with Russia. A lot of sanctions put in, and that means that Mazepin has lost his contract. It was terminated. And we've had uh, Kevin Magnussen has made a return to Formula One. Yeah. I don't know about anybody else. I'm very, very excited. Yes, we're here for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm very much excited to see how Schumacher will perform against an experienced driver, and to see what Kmag can do in that Haas. Uh, anybody else excited? I definitely am. But anybody else? Oh, I'm really excited. I mean, it's just it's a little bit of the uh, the Kimi Raikkonen. You know, losing both of those was hard because personality-wise, they did shine out. And Kevin put in some good laps today. I think he did 39 laps. His best was 136.505. So that, that landed him in what? Uh, he was about halfway. But at one stage, he was right at the top of the, the yeah. list, wasn't he? So I would like he to finished. That, huh? He finished at the top of the list, actually. Oh, they did? did the yeah. They did oh, the wow. one hour extra to mitigate the loss of the morning session on day one. Oh, and he just right. stopped the timesheet. The legend. I didn't think they were going to get that. So they actually yeah, Kevin. Kevin did it and he delivered. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. It's as Jess said, it's going to be really interesting. The battle between him and, and Mick. Uh, it gives us a you know a team with two um sons of Formula One drivers in it. I'm sure that's happened before. Oh no, it has happened before. Jack Villeneuve and Damon Hill, both sons yeah. of Formula One drivers. But yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Well, I think Kevin, as Simon said, I, I completely agree is a personality in F1. He's a character uh, in F1. Infamous for his uh, quote uh, and come back to Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, uh, but he, he's like that. Uh, I, I had the privilege, because it is a privilege to talk with an F1 driver. I had the privilege to talk with him uh, in Austria in 2020 uh, during his final season. Well, as of now, it's not the final season, but then it was the final season with Haas, uh, the start of it. And I asked him a pretty simple question. One of those that you just get to get the headline. 
out of a driver. You know, it's not like journalistic enough. It's not informative enough. The question was, do you think you are an aggressive driver or are you just yourself? You know, are you aggressive in nature? And he said both. He's, he's just like that. He's an amazing uh, talent, in my opinion, uh, tremendously talented driver. Uh, you're not by accident a McLaren uh, Academy driver. And you don't get to drive for one of the best teams in F1 for no reason. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the midfield. He knows what's up in that kind of uh, part of the, of the grid. And yeah, I think he'll, he can be a mentor to make as well. Uh, and he can be, uh, you know, a measuring stick for Mick Schumacher because Nikita Mazepin was not uh, someone that Mick could easily be challenged by. He, you know, pretty easily defeated him. Uh, now Kevin is not going to be as easy to, to beat as uh, Nikita was. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he stacks up. And as you say, I... It hadn't even gone through my brain that he was the son of an, a Formula One driver. I don't know why it should have done, but it didn't. I was just excited that he's back. No, just excited to see him back. I'm excited to see what he can do in the car because I think I personally, when he left, I was very sad that he left because I think he's he's a good driver, as you say, he's very talented and. I'm excited to see what he can do and how he can push Mick in that car because Mick Schumacher is the future. Um, he is one of the future drivers and we will see. We will see what he can do. But moving on to the Formula One world champion, Max Verstappen. Now, we have a new defending world champion this year uh, for a change. Uh, I love Lewis. <laughs> but we have a new champion. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new champion and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does in that Red Bull because over testing, yeah, okay, we can't take testing times and stuff, but over testing Red Bull have not been the quickest, not been slow or anything, but they've not been the quickest. They've sort of been maybe I would say second, third ish, hovering maybe around fourth, depending on the day, depending on the fuel runs, I guess. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what he does in that car. Do we think Red Bull will give him enough this year or do we think Red Bull will be on the chase all year? Well, I think that uh, Red Bull is a team that knows how to produce a good car on change, uh, on, on, on the gasp of changing rules, changing regulations. Andre New is a very good and talented, charismatic uh person on that aspect. He really knows how to make the most out of those situations. Um, I think uh, this, I think, I think this applies to Mercedes as well. They were on a very brutal title fight last year, both of them. So I think most of uh, the resources in last year were on the 2021 car trying to make it better. I think Red Bull spent a lot of time trying to, uh, how can I say it, uh, fix its rear wing. <laughs> So I think they lost time with the 2022 car. It seems uh, like a fast car. I don't think it's very stable right now. Uh, as of now, we haven't seen uh, any big upgrades uh, on the RB18, but they say that they will bring some during the last day of the test and on uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix itself. I think Max, if you give him an inch, he will take a mile. I'm just saying, measuring uh, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for our UK peeps. If you give him a centimeter, he will get a meter. Um, 
So even if Red Bull is not the fastest car, if it is like second or third fastest uh, and he sees an opportunity, he will get it. He will be, I hope, a very good reigning world champion even if he loses the title this year. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, I think Mercedes had their eye off the ball at the start of 2021 thinking, you know, we've got this, um, we'll develop our 2022 car and then had to kind of take a step back to to develop the 2021 car. So I'm not sure there's, you know, a lot of difference between um, the stages Red Bull and Mercedes are at. Going back to the first question, really, at the start of the show, it's whether Ferrari, because they didn't, they weren't in a title battle, have they genuinely come up with the goods this year? Or will they flatter to deceive? Will they do their usual, you know, overpassionate and make mistakes? You know, there's it's a whole new a whole new formula, really. I mean, we can see with the Haas, it looks a much better car as well. So, yeah, Red Bull, will they? They'll definitely be there or thereabouts. Whether they'll be able to retain, I'm not so sure. I think that uh, Lewis has really got, you know, it really everything behind him now. He's really, you know, up for the job. He wants that eighth title. He feels like he's been robbed and he's going to go for it. I don't think he'll be giving way in corners like he did last year. So, uh, yeah, I think Max is going to have his hands full this year. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, and think about Lewis and the fight back. You know, he's normally quite good under pressure, um, although it depends on the amount of pressure, I guess, according to last year. <laughs> um, but now he's got a new teammate in George Russell. Uh, we have already discussed this in a previous podcast, but just before we... Uh, move on to the very final bit. I just thought it was worth giving him a mention. Uh, do we think it's going to be a tight battle between the two teammates? Or are we thinking that it might not be this year, it might be next year or the year after when Russell's got a bit more of a foot in, in Mercedes? I, I think, as you said, I think this year he'll want to bed into the team. He's the young guy. He's got time on his hands. He could be at that Mercedes for another 10 years. If he plays his cards right, he supports, you know, I think he'll be, he'll play a supporting role this year. He's probably been told, you know, this year you support Lewis and, you know, going forward, you'll have more, more of a, uh, uh, an open an open page and you'll be able to go racing properly. I'm sure he will race properly, don't get me wrong. I just don't think, you know, given the opportunity, if it's a, a point situation and they need Lewis to, to take those points, he'll have to do what Bottas did and pull over. Well, that's a pretty... Uh, possible scenario. I think that um, Russell seen all these young drivers getting huge contracts. Max uh, got his extension, Norris, uh, Leclerc, uh, every single young driver. Carlos Sainz will get an extension as well with Ferrari. He sees that as an opportunity to stay with the team for the, for the long, uh, to play the long game. And I mean, Lewis Hamilton is one of the best drivers ever. He is one of the best drivers on the current grid. I'm, I'm sure that if he has the opportunity to beat him on occasion, he will. But it's going to be uh, more difficult to do it, actually. And if he does beat him, uh, I will agree with Simon. Mercedes will just say, you know what? Try to be more supportive this year. And he will understand. He will play the long game. And also he knows Toto Wolf. He knows the team. So maybe there is a better communication than it was with Valtteri, who was promised maybe a title fight, a title run, and that didn't pan out. I don't think Valtteri, as good as a driver he was, and he is an excellent driver, 
I don't think he had that little bit extra to be able to take it to Lewis in the way that um, Nico Rosberg did. Um, I think George will be very different. I think George will, in time, be able to take it to, to Lewis. But Lewis is a bit like um, a Roger Federer or an Adal, or a, a, in footballing terms, or an Aldo. He's getting older, but he doesn't. He seems to be defying defying that age, and seems to be still getting better and stronger. So I think that could be, you know, that could be the only obstacle to George winning races and championships. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you both. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think, yeah, for this year in particular, it'll be a case of Russell just playing more of a supportive role, and then. At the end of the day, Mercedes know he is the future. He will be the one competing with Max in the next several years to come. Um, decade, probably. Uh, so, we'll, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens throughout the year. So, just before we end, I just want a prediction from you guys. Who do we think is going to be the top three at the end of the championship? I know it's a big ask, but the top three. Uh, personally, I'm going to say Lewis, Science, and then Max. A bit of an odd one. I personally think Science will do slightly better in that Ferrari than Leclerc. Leclerc will still be good. I reckon he'll be fourth, but I think Science might do slightly better. Big up Adam Wheeler. He's probably listening and going, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Taking notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what, do, what do you guys think? Leclerc, Max, Lewis. It's my top three. I think I'm going to go very similar to, to Jess. I'm going to go uh, Lewis because I just think, you know, at the end of last season, you know, everything's behind him. He just wants to go for it. So I think it will be Lewis. I think also think it will be Carlos Sainz. I think Carlos is actually the, the better driver out of the two Ferraris. Um, I know a lot of people don't, but, but I do. And I think Max will probably come in third. So I think it, depending on how good that Red Bull is, if not Max, it will be George. You know, mm -hmm. it, could, it could go either way. But, you know, please don't play this back at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're going to now, right? <laughs> you're going to yeah, save this and we're going to absolutely up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we'll Haas find will, out. I think Haas will be the surprise package and Alex Albon as well to shine. Wow. Any extras, Dimitris? <sighs> Albon will flop, Haas will be disappointed. No, I'm joking. No, <laughs> uh, no. Nah, nah. We're not playing the ESPN card when we contradict each other for views. Um, <laughs> I think um, Haas will be better. I hope it will be better. And from uh, the driver's perspective, other than the top guys, I'm really keen on seeing how Esteban Ocon will fare with Fernando Alonso for this season, even if they don't have uh, a competitive package for the championship. Um, I want to see Esteban going ahead of uh, Fernando. I don't know. I think it will happen. It could happen. And Alpine were the team that said they were concentrating on 22, 2022 from how far back? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they said this was going to be their season. That's why Alonso came back. But that's, mm, that's not good. Not good so far anyway. So, uh, let us know your predictions for the season. Who do you think will come out on top? Do you think the new regulations will make it more exciting? Who's your top three? Who's going to be a shocking prediction? 
let us know in the comments. Uh, thank you very much for listening or watching on YouTube. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, as well as like and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify, or visit us on www.thepickeronline.net. A special thanks to Simon and Demetrius. Uh, where can we find you guys on social media? Uh, I'm at F1 Taxi on Twitter. And I'm at Demetrius underscore Bezos on Twitter. Lovely. And you will find me on Twitter at Team Motorsport Girl. And as always, thank you very much for listening and we will see you out on track. <laughs>